man, I'm so excited to get into this message today. It is kind of a, it's kind of a one-off message, right? So we were in the series, In the Fire. Who was here for In the Fire, for at least a part of it? Come on. Uh, God has been doing some amazing things in our church, and it's been really cool to see uh, what he's brought us through. Because I know there's so many stories of people that are going through some fires of their own. And people have been emailing me, texting me, saying, hey, just want to let you know that this series has really been impacting me and my marriage and my family. I've been going through some stuff. And they're just sharing their stories with me. And, man, it's incredible to hear what God is doing in people's hearts and people's lives. But, uh, man, it's sad that it's over. But we're looking forward to Easter now, right? It's Palm Sunday. And Jerusalem... At this time in the Bible, if you look to the story of what Palm Sunday really is, it's the time where Jerusalem invited Jesus into their city. And they invited him in this big hoopla kind of a way. You know, there's all kinds of tradition that went into it. The palm branches and everything, they're waving it down. And then it would just be a week later, right, that that they'd be murdering Jesus on a cross. Isn't that incredible how quickly things can turn around? You know how that is, married people, right? Just very quickly, it just snaps and then everything's changed and then one day it's great and then the next day it's not. Sometimes within the hour, it can be like that, right? So uh, you know what I'm talking about and Jesus knows that firsthand. He struggled with the same things that you and I did. So, uh, but I'm really excited to talk about the great invitation today. That's the title of my message, the great invitation. If you are taking notes, we don't have anything on the screen for you today. Uh, I promise I am reading the Bible today. We will use it, Uh, but I'm just going to kind of go through a few things today and talk to you about what it looks like to be the great invitation and to talk about the great inviter, who of course is Jesus. So I I think we've all been uh, invited to something before. I think it's safe to say that we have. And if you haven't been invited to anything in your life, then I'm really sorry. That's awful. Okay. Like, I mean, you're probably here because you're invited. We'll talk about that later, but there's all kinds of different invitations you can send out. Um, you send out a Facebook event invite. You probably get a lot of those. A lot of people want you to, to like their page on Facebook for their mowing company or something like that. And I'm just like, why would I like that? Like that doesn't, that doesn't apply to me at all. You know, like all kinds of different things like uh, multi-level marketing things. How many of y'all out there? Let me see you. Please leave. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's okay. It's okay. Just don't bring your stuff to the church and we'll be fine. All right. But you know, there's a text that you might get from somebody inviting you to a party. Uh, you might get a call. You might get an evite. Anybody do the evites anymore? I don't, I don't really know. Are they still cool? I'm not really sure. Um, I just email people. We do the Facebook invitation. There's all kinds of ways that you can invite somebody uh, to a party. Maybe it's, maybe it's to a party. Maybe it's to a gathering. And most of the time, getting invited to something is pretty cool. Unless it's like a meeting and then it's not as much, you know? Like you get the invite to the staff meeting uh, that you know is going to be four and a half hours and you're not going to get anything done. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, some of y'all? Corporate culture, you get invited into these corporate meetings and you're like, why am I even here right now? I wish I would have not been invited to this meeting. But for the most part, it's a good thing when you get invited to something. You're in high school, you get invited to the party, like, oh, this is amazing. I finally get to be a part of this. I'm, I, I'm the cool crowd, right? I get invited to the party. Uh, and so that's a really cool thing. And then you have uh, all kinds of different invites that you might get. But here's the deal. What does an invite say? An invitation says that you're wanted, right? You're wanted here in what we're doing. You are included in what we're doing. You are welcome in what we are doing here, whatever kind of invitation that is. And I think Jesus really is the great inviter. Why is that? When you look at the life of Jesus and you look at how he operated, uh, you can see these same principles in the way that he lived. Jesus basically said to people in every way that he lived, talked, breathed, everything, he was saying, hey, you are wanted. 
You are wanted. You are valued. You are welcome to sit down at my table and eat alongside with me. You are included. Jesus was not exclusive, but he was very inclusive in who he brought to his table. And he was actually uh, was very, very reprimanded by the religious people of the day by who he hung out with. Jesus says, you are included. You are invited. You are welcome to be a part of my life. And I think that's amazing. You know that Jesus says that to you and to me even right now. He wants you to be a part of his life. And he's inviting people into a greater way of living. He's inviting these people that he, he walks with and talks with into a life of peace, a life of hope, a life of joy, an eternal life with God. I mean, this is the stuff that Jesus is inviting people into. But the problem is, like I alluded to, is that he was also inviting the people that nobody else wanted to invite right? He was sitting with people at his table that other people in the world would have been like, really? As a matter of fact, they called him out on it a couple of times. I said, Jesus, why, why are you hanging out with this person? Why are you hanging out with these guys? They're not really like the greatest Jews of all, right? They're not the greatest individuals. Today, we might say like, why are you hanging out with so-and-so? Like, you know, don't you know they go partying on the weekend or, you know, they got a drinking problem or like, this is kind of the, you know, the person, the crazy ex-girlfriend, you know, you don't want to hang out with that person. And we, we judge people like that. And yet Jesus, you would find him constantly sitting at the table with those kind of people. Uh, for example, you see the woman at the well, John chapter seven, I believe it is. A woman at the well, you see Jesus going up to this well around noon, it says. And that's an important fact because normally the women of the villages and the cities, they would have gone up to get the water. They draw the water from the wells. They bring it back down uh, to the village or wherever it is that they are. And, and they would do that in the mornings. Why? Because it's hot. It's hot out there, right? They're in the Middle East, y'all. It is very hot out there. And so they would do it in the mornings because it was much cooler and yet we see the woman at the well is there around noon. That's not the time that you would normally be there. And she was probably by herself because all the other women had already gone and gone back. So what does that kind of allude to? It alludes to the fact that she was being excluded by the other women. And then we find out why in just a little bit. Because Jesus calls out kind of her sin and says, you know what? I know that you've been with five men. You've had five husbands. And the guy that you're living with right now is not even your husband. And she's like, oh my goodness, how do you know this about me? And he just starts encouraging her. And then he says, you know what? I am the Messiah, the one that you've been waiting for. He reveals himself as the Messiah to this woman that you would say, why in the world would you reveal yourself as the son of God to this woman of all the people that you could have? And yet you take this woman, an adulterer, right? A woman that's living with a man that's not even her husband. She's had five other husbands and all the other women, women don't even want to hang out with her because she's that kind of a lady. She's literally the crazy ex-girlfriend everybody talks about back in the city. You know what I mean? Like some of y'all know you had one of those and some of y'all were one of those, okay? You know what I'm talking about? So, but you know <clears throat> that Jesus is reaching out to her. He's reaching out to her. Uh, once again, And then you know what ends up happening with her? This is the coolest part of that story. This woman who is an adulterer ends up going back and now becomes the greatest inviter in her town. Come and see a man that told me everything I ever did. Isn't that amazing? She goes back and now she's the missionary to her town. And all the stuff that she's done, it's washed away in an instant. And now she's able to invite people into a relationship with Jesus, the same relationship that she just started with him. It's amazing. It's incredible. Zacchaeus is another example of Jesus inviting somebody into relationship that you normally wouldn't think that was the greatest person. Uh, it says that Zacchaeus was, uh, he was a wealthy man. 
Uh, but he was also short. He's a very short individual, okay? Maybe he had a little bit of short guy syndrome. We don't know, okay? But, uh, but people necessarily wouldn't like tax collectors. And that's what Zacchaeus was. He's a tax collector. The reason why they didn't like them in that day is because the Jews uh, that were tax collectors were partnering up with the Roman government who was actually oppressing them. And they would go and take the taxes from these people. And a lot of times they would line their pockets a little extra by saying, oh no, you actually owe this extra tax. And oh yeah, there was this extra tax and they're falsifying books and things like that to make sure that they got a little extra for themselves, a little extra for their partners. You know, they were looking out for each other and they were kind of known as the sellouts of the Jews. Like, hey, you're selling out to the Romans. They're the people that are oppressing us and yet you're partnering with them and you're lining your own pockets. Like we, we don't even claim you. We don't even like you. So the Jewish tax collectors were not known as great individuals. And yet says Zacchaeus climbs up into a tree because he's a short dude and Jesus is coming. He wanted to be able to see over everybody. You know the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. Right, I don't know if I got that right, but if you've been in church, you know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all still singing it. Okay, calm down, yeah. But uh, so Zacchaeus, He's up in the tree and then Jesus says, Zacchaeus, why don't you come on down from that tree? I'm gonna be your guest tonight at your house. Jesus straight up invites himself to Zacchaeus' house. We're like, hey, let's just go hang out. He says, hey, we're gonna hang out tonight and I wanna hang out with you. And isn't that incredible? Because you gotta think, obviously there was a ton of people around or else Zacchaeus wouldn't have had to get up into the tree. And so Jesus is pointing up to him and saying, I wanna hang out with you. And now you gotta think how many people were standing around this tree looking up with him, with this dude, this is really Jesus. This is the guy you want to hang out with? Zacchaeus, the tax collector, the sellout, the guy that none of us like. Why do you want to hang out with him? Why don't you want to hang out with me? Because Jesus was inviting him into something deeper. He's inviting him into relationship, somebody that no one else would have ever thought of. And then lastly, I think the easiest one you could talk about, Jesus inviting people in, was the disciples. What did he say? Come and follow me. He, he said, come and follow me. This ragtag group of disciples, they were teenagers, most of them. Maybe a few of them were just barely into their 20s, okay? We're talking about high school and college age kids that Jesus is inviting into his life, into his process and partnering with them to share the gospel to the whole world. Uh, that's a little crazy, Jesus. I don't know if that's the greatest idea. You probably should have went to the religious people that knew a lot more about the Bible, right? You know what I'm saying? But no, that's not what he does. He goes to the disciples. And Jesus looks for these people and he's the great inviter. And I think this is an encouraging thing for you and for me. When we look to these stories, we see these are some messed up, not so great people, to be honest. They're just average, normal guys and gals that Jesus invites into his life. And I think if we would just stop for a second, how do we apply this to our life? Jesus looks for people. This is what he's all about. He's all about relationships. He's all about people and, and he's looking for you and he's looking for me. He seeks people out and I'm so grateful. How many of you are in this place today and you know Jesus and you're grateful that Jesus sought you out when you were at your worst, when you were at your lowest, when you needed him the most and he never failed you. He sought you out and that's why you're here in this place today and you can praise his name. You can lift up his name. Come on, is anybody grateful in the house of God today for what Jesus has done in their lives? Let me tell you, I know I am. I know I am. I really am. He seeks people out. And this is the best part about Jesus is that he sees them not as the world sees them, but how God sees them. And that's a, there's a big discrepancy between the way the world sees people and the way that God sees people. 
Because the world and the women would have seen the woman at the well as an adulterer. They would have seen her as somebody that they didn't want to hang out with. The crazy ex-girlfriend, somebody that's messing things up. She's a homewrecker, right? That's who she is. And they label her that way. And yet Jesus says, no, I see greatness inside of this woman. I see a woman that's going to change her entire city. And Jesus brings her into relationship with him. Zacchaeus, people would have said, he's a sellout. I don't want to hang out with this guy. He's probably lying in his pockets. And yet Jesus says, I'm going to hang out with you. I see more in you than they see. He calls out the greatness in his disciples. He says, come and follow me. And when you don't see anything great in somebody, I just want you to remember that God does. So be careful how you talk about people because they're a son and daughter of God, just the same as you and me. They mess up the same way that you and I do. So be careful how you talk about people because God might not talk about them in the same way that you and I would talk about them, right? And when you don't see anything great in yourself, I want you to remember that God sees greatness within you, amen? God sees greatness. He's, he wants to call out the gold that is within you. You have a purpose and a plan of divine destiny that God has for your life. And he wants to call that out of you. So when you are at your lowest, let me remind you today that God is for you. He is not against you. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And if you give your life to him and you trust in him, he's gonna be right there with you no matter what. He sees the greatness that is within you. But here's the thing. Uh, when he calls these disciples, we're talking about this for a second. When he calls the disciples, uh, specifically, the, the guys that were out in the boat, they were fishing. And he says, come and follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. How many fishermen do we got out there? Let me see. Anybody like to fish? We got a couple. We got a couple. Okay, I see you out there. Just a few. Um, you know, I like to fish. It's been a while since I've fished, but... Uh, me and my pops used to go. We loved it. It was, it was a good time. And uh, one time we actually lived in, in Tyler, Texas. We moved there. I'm in central Texas, you know, Round Rock and, and Austin and Kyle my whole life. Except for one year, uh, my freshman year of high school, we moved out to Tyler, followed a job out there and just had to do what we had to do, right? And there's a state park out there, I think Tyler State Park. And uh, I have a friend who is actually, I think I talk about him a lot. His name's Steven. He's our kids pastor's husband. I've known him since kindergarten. So we, I have a lot of stories. He was like, man, why are you always telling the stories about me? I'm like, bro, because I've known you since I was five. We got a lot of stories, all right? So, uh, so we invited him out, gave him an invitation. Why don't you come on out? We're going to go fishing together. We're going to go camping. It's going to be a lot of fun. And so we get to Tyler State Park and then we're playing this game. It was a card game and I don't even know what it was, but I, I promise you that my dad was just making up rules on the spot. He was just making things up to entertain us 14, 15 year old kids because uh, he would say, whenever you draw a queen, you got to get up and you got to go out of the tent. I mean, we were camping. We weren't glamping guys. We were camping. Okay. And so we get out of the tent and you have to run to the bathroom and back. Now, mind you, it's like 11 PM on a campsite. It is dark out there. So we're just like running through. We draw a queen and we're just like, run, <laughs> just being silly. And we run on back and like, I guarantee you that's not part of the rules. He probably just made that up to get some energy out. He's like, these kids are driving me nuts. Get out of the tent, run to the bathroom and back. You know, I don't even know what it was. He's nodding his head. Yes, he did make up that rule. Okay. But so we're having a lot of fun. And then one night we decide, all right, we're going to go, we're going to go fishing because we, we brought our fishing poles and, and there was a little lake there. And, and so we get out onto this, this little pier and just out in the lake. And then, you know, they have the little lights that kind of go down so you can see. And so we get out to about maybe the third light on this lake on the pier and we got our fishing poles. We're ready to go. It's late. I mean, it's once again, dark, very dark, maybe 10, 11 PM. 
we get out there and we, we look down under one of the lights over the edge. And lo and behold, wouldn't you see, but a ton of catfish. And we're like, we have struck gold. Like, this is it. We're going to put our lines down. We're going to get all the catfish in this entire lake. We're going to bring it back to the campsite. We're going to roast it. We're going to be the coolest dudes at the campsite. We're going to bring back all the fish. This is going to be easy. It's going to be so easy, right? So we go ahead and we drop our lines down, just straight down off the side. We're like, looking, they're all swimming around. We're like, this is going to be awesome, man. And we're like, going bringing it down. And then what happens? Literally nothing. Absolutely nothing. They did not bite at all. And I was so frustrated. We're like, you're right there. Like, I, you can actually see the bait and the hook in the water, see the fish swimming around it, just not paying attention. Like, don't even care. Not at all. And that's the most frustrating thing about fishing, right? How many of y'all don't fish because you ain't got the patience for that? Let me tell you, like, yes and amen. I'm working on that fruit of the Holy Spirit. Do not have patience in my life. But that's the deal. We thought we were going to catch so many fish, and yet, we got absolutely nothing. And I think that's the problem with fishing. If I could just be real with you guys for a second, fishing requires too much patience. I just can't do it. You just got to sit there for like an hour, hour and a half. You go on fishing trips for days and sometimes people come back with nothing and like, yep, had a blast. I'm like, how? You got nothing, you know? And you know, there's different reasons, but that's a difficult thing to do to just sit there, be quiet for hours and hours. But fishing requires patience. And I think if we take this back to Jesus and we take this back to our lives, what does that look like for us? I think there's a lot of times that there's people in our lives that we invite to church and maybe they shut us down, right? And they're like, ah, it's not really for me. I'm not about that life. You know that or whatever. And, and you invite somebody to church, they say, no. You try to talk uh, to a coworker about your faith and maybe share your story. And, and you can kind of tell, like, as you start to kind of talk about it, they just kind of like give you the side eye. And so you kind of just stop and, you know, shut it down. Or maybe your son or your daughter, you want to talk to them about coming to church or you want to have a coffee with them and, and maybe share your story with somebody and whatever it might be. And people just shut it down and, and you're casting your line out and you see there's so many fish out there, but, but no one's biting, right? I feel like I'm trying to share it. I'm trying to invite, I'm trying to do this and no one is taking it. No one is, is, is taking the line. I just don't know what to do. What am I supposed to do? But fishing requires patience. And I think what Jesus might be saying to you and to me today is keep casting your line. Keep casting your line. Keep throwing out that line because you never know when you keep throwing out that line when somebody is gonna take the bait, when somebody's gonna come to church, when somebody is going to listen to your story about what Jesus did in your life for the first time and their lives will forever be changed by the power of Jesus. But you have to keep casting your line. Don't stop too early because the next time that you cast it out to your son or to your daughter that has been far away from God, that hasn't gone to church in years and years, the next time that you send out that invitation, the next time that you post on social media about Easter or Radical, or the next time that you send out an invite or invite card or you send a text, will you ride with me to church today? That might be the time that they say yes. That might be the one. And if you stop too early, then... What's going to happen then? And I would encourage you to keep casting your line, keep inviting, because you never know when you throw that line out and you see that cork that's been just sitting out in the water, just, just messing with you, just not moving at all, right? Just kind of going like this, you know? It's awful. And then there'll be that one time when you'll start to see it wiggle a little bit. You'll start to see it shake. You'll start to see it bob up and down a little bit, right? And then it goes under 
and then your, your, your pole bends over and now you got a one on the line and you get to reel it in. It's just an absolutely amazing experience. And, and this is what will happen in your faith. When you share your story with somebody, you never know when that's gonna happen. Keep casting your line, amen? And here's the deal. Anyone can fish, right? Anyone can fish. That's the coolest part about fishing. I mean, I don't do that often, but it is pretty cool. Anyone can be a part of it. If you want to fish, you can get a stick and a line and a hook and just tie it together and throw it out there and you can fish, right? Might not be the greatest option, but I mean, you can do it and anybody can. But here's the deal. You get better when you know the fish. You get better when you understand how the fish operate. You get better when you know the season that the fish are in specifically. You know when you understand the bait and the line that you need to, to get this particular kind of fish. Me and Stephen didn't know what we were doing. Me and Stephen are just dropping the line in there, just praying to God that something takes it. Well, I don't even know what kind of bait we use. It's probably just dirt. I mean, literally have no idea what kind of bait and tackle we had at that moment. But I guarantee you it's probably not what those fish needed in that moment to take the bait. But you know the fish. When you get better at knowing the fish, you get better at fishing. And here's the deal. I don't know the fish that are in your life, but you do. You know the people in your life that might take the bait. You know the people, I don't, I don't know your uncle, right? I mean, I can't invite your uncle into a relationship with Jesus, but you know who can? You, your son and daughter, you know them better than anyone else. And when you know the fish better, you know what they like, you know what they don't like. You know what they're struggling with in that moment in time. You know what they're dealing with. You know that that person has depression or anxiety. You know that that person is going through a hard time in a relationship. You know what they're going through and you're gonna be able to minister to that person on an individual specific level, way better than I will be able to on a corporate level. You might not be able to minister to this person's family, but you can. Those are your fish. And when you get to know the fish better, you can fish better. So I would encourage you to do is get to know the people around you better. Get to know your coworkers better. Get to know your family better, what they're struggling with, what they're dealing with. And maybe God is going to use you in a way that he could never use me to reach your family, your friends, and your coworkers. And this is a divine appointment that God has given to you specifically. Isn't that amazing? that you have the authority and the power to change somebody in your circle's life forever that I could never. A lot of people say, well, pastor, you're the pastor here. Like you should be able to do it. And that's fine. I, I would love to help people find Jesus. We do that every single Sunday. But what about Monday through Saturday? Who's helping them find Jesus? I would hope that, that would be you. And Romans 10, 13 says this, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls the name of the Lord will be saved. If you know Jesus in this place, we believe that we are saved, right? We said yes to Jesus. Our sins are forgiven. They're cast as far as the east is from the west. It's amazing. We have this joy, like my life has changed. I was like this, but now I'm like this. And I got this relationship with God. It's incredible. But then the next verse, it says this. But how can they call on him to save unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Who's going to tell them? Who's going to tell the people that aren't here in this building about Jesus? It's got to be you and it's got to be me. Because when Jesus calls us to follow him, it comes with a prerequisite of understanding that he will make you into a fisher. If you follow Jesus and you are not fishing, you are not following Jesus. Come and follow me and I will 
make you into fishers of men. I understand that was for the disciples, but I believe that is for every single follower of Jesus. When you follow Jesus, it is an understanding that we have together that we are going to be fishers of men, all of us collectively. Not every single person, but the fish that are in your backyard, the fish that are in your tank behind your house, right? You know what I'm talking about? The people in your life, those are the people that God has entrusted you with to make an influence and make an impact in their lives. Be a fisher of men. It's, it's our job as Christ followers to fish for people. But yet, we don't, right? Let's just be honest for a second. We don't. And, and we get into that moment where like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. How am I supposed to share my faith and my story? We kind of, sometimes if you're frozen when you're about to talk to somebody about your faith or you're about to send that invitation, you're about to send that text, will you come with me to church? Or you're about to talk to them about something. And you just feel like, well, what if they shut me down? What if they do this? And, and you get nervous and you kind of just freeze up, right? You know what I'm talking about. You've maybe felt that before. And so I'm asking the question, why do we do that? Why do we do that? We have the hope of Jesus, this amazing message, and yet we kind of keep it to ourselves and we freeze up, we get awkward and uncomfortable and all that. And I think it's because of two reasons. The first one is, is I think because we know how imperfect we are, right? Like I'm messed up and I got my own issues. So how am I supposed to be able to, to bring somebody else into a relationship with Jesus? I'm still figuring out my own stuff, Right? How could, I, how could God use me in that way? But let me encourage you today that God will use your imperfection to connect with imperfect people. Amen? God will use the things that you are most ashamed of, the things that you are most upset about, the things that you regret the most in your life, and he will turn that around. God, the Bible says that God will turn all things around for good, for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. God can turn the worst thing in your life, the worst mistake you've ever made, and turn it into a testimony for Jesus and how God saved you, how God has changed you. And now you can use that to help somebody else, another imperfect person, just like me, to find and follow Jesus. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? It's amazing. God will use your imperfection to connect with imperfect people. And then the second thing I think why we don't share with others is because we're afraid that we don't have all the answers, right? My mom struggles with this. I'll, I'll, I'm gonna put her on blast and I don't know if she's here in the building today, but I'm gonna put her on blast. And because the reason why I say this is because this is something I think that we, a lot of us struggle with. So my mom started a women's uh, small group and it was never small. Okay. So it did not start small and it has just grown. And so it started with like 15 or 20 women or something. And, and then ended up more people started to come, more people started to come. Then she started putting on events. Now there's like 40 women coming to these events. I'm like, mom, you realize this isn't a small group anymore, right? This is the women's ministry of our church. Now you realize that, right? She's like, oh no, no, I can't do that. No, 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 I'm not ready for that. And I'm like, it's too late. Like they've already decided, like you're the leader and this is happening. So like, so good luck. I mean, I'll support you, you know, but you're doing it, you know? And, and she struggles with this sometimes and she'll talk to me. And I think the reason I'm sharing this is because I think this is something you would relate to. She says, Trev, I don't know how to lead these women. Like I, I'm not good enough of a Christian to lead these women. Like I don't, I don't know how to encourage these people. I don't know my Bible well enough to, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Like some of the people are telling me all the stuff that they're struggling with. And it's so hard because I wanna, I, I'm not as good as you are, son. Like I, I, talking to people about stuff like this and encouraging them and all this stuff. And I have to stop her sometimes. I'm like, mom, they don't need you to have all the answers. They don't need you to understand and know everything. They just need you to love them. 
They just need you to be there for them. They just need you to, they just need somebody to talk to and somebody to just say, you know what, man, I'm so sorry, like what you're going through. You want to hang out? You want to have coffee? I mean, I'll pray for you right now. And you don't have to have the words in that prayer. You don't have to know anything. All you have to do is just point their eyes back to Jesus and back to the hope, point them back to your story and say, you know what? I don't have all the answers. I don't know. Maybe you're talking to somebody and they start talking about creation and like, was creation in seven days or 7,000 years? And you're like, I don't know, but I know Jesus has done something in my life and he can do something in your life too. You know, I know I was once addicted, but now I'm not. I know that I once had an awful marriage, but now it's amazing. And I point it back to the day that I said yes to Jesus. And listen, when you tell somebody your story, they can't argue with it. That's the best part. What are they going to say? Like, that's not what happened to you. Like, you can't say that to me. This is my story. Like, this is what Jesus did in my life, you know? But we argue about these little tiny ticky-tack things. And people are like, well, I believe in, you know, science and all this stuff and all that. And that's great and all. But listen, when you have the power of God transform your entire life, that is the most amazing thing. And people cannot argue with the power and the presence of God. They just can't, they can't. And so just tell them about Jesus, love on somebody. You don't have to know all the answers. So the next time that you feel like you're about to maybe invite somebody to church or you're thinking about inviting somebody to Easter and you're like, I don't know how to do it. Just love them and just be there for them. Send that text, say, I'll, I'll go to lunch with you afterwards. Like let's, let's hang out, let's make it a whole day. You know, let's have a good time. You don't have to know all the answers. And there's people, like I said, that I can never reach. There's people that will never walk through these doors because of me, but they will because of you. They will because of the Holy Spirit working through you. And it would happen because of your testimony. It could happen because of your story. And, and Jesus invites us into his mission, right? The great co-mission, the great commission. There's a reason why it's called commission because it's co, which means together. And it's a mission that Jesus is sending us on. What is the great commission? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And then Jesus says, and I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. He says, go and make disciples. And you're a part of that. Jesus talking to his disciples there, but you and I are a part of that. Why? Because we know earlier he said, if you follow me, you'll be a fisher of men. And if you follow me, then you will go and you will make disciples and you will be a part of the process of me changing the entire universe. Isn't that incredible? Get people into the presence of God. And I believe, you know, it's so, it's so annoying sometimes when people are like, I'm just gonna be real, I understand this. They're like, you know, and just invite people to church, invite people to church. And, and some people will harp on that and they'll say, well, like, you know, you don't have to have people in on a Sunday morning to get them to experience God. I 100% agree with that. But you know the difference about coming in on a Sunday morning? This is the difference right here. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. And when there is a corporate unity and a corporate group of people that are getting together and saying, you know what? We are solely fixing our eyes on Jesus in worship and in thanksgiving. It says that God inhabits those praises and his presence is now in this place. Another passage, when two or three are gathered, there I am also. We believe that when we worship together in unity and lift up the name of Jesus, that the literal presence of God rests upon this place and that is where lives are changed. That's when healing happens. That's when we are transformed by the power of God. Bill Johnson says this. He says, the presence of God is the most attractive thing in the universe. And I agree hundred percent. We could, we could have a cool band. That's pretty cool. 
that's attractive, right? That's fun. Like get people in the doors. We could have Kona ice. We could have all kinds of fun things and stuff like that. I have no problem with having fun at church. We passed out hot dogs one time in church. I mean, it was a blast. We had a lot of fun, okay? I will do fun stuff like that too. But the most attractive thing more than any of the stuff that we have is the presence of God. And when you get somebody into a room with a room full of people who are worshiping and lifting up the name of Jesus and the presence of God rests on them, man, you don't even have to say anything. God will do it. God does it himself. So get people into the room. That's why we invite people to church because I want to get them in to the presence of God. Amen? And we think about everything that God's done in our lives. It's amazing, isn't it, right? Everything that God has done for you and for me. I mean, I told a little bit of my story last week and, and how God completely changed my life. And you have to think about this. The only reason that you know about Jesus is because somebody told you, right? You're like, no, I didn't. Think about it for a second. The only reason that you know about Jesus is because somebody invited you to church invited you into a, a coffee, invited you into a conversation. Maybe your parents voluntold you. Oh, that's still an invitation, right? But they voluntold say, you are coming to church this morning. You're like dragging, kicking and screaming, you know? But that's still an invitation. The way that your parents lived, maybe it modeled who Jesus was. And maybe you didn't have that, but a friend or a coworker or somebody invited you to church. Maybe you got an invitation in the mail. I know so many people that are here because of a mailer that we sent out because of an invite card that was sent out, because of a social media advertisement. I just met some new people this morning. How'd you find the church? Google, right? That is an invitation, right? That's an invitation. And that's the only reason why we know about Jesus. And, and, and so how are we gonna tell, what is that verse again? Let me go back to it. Let me go back. How can, they call on him and, how can they call on him to save them unless they believe? How can they believe unless they've never heard? How can they hear unless someone tells them? Could you be your coworkers, someone? Could you be your baristas, someone? Could you be your son or daughter, someone that tells them about Jesus, that invites them into a relationship with God? Could you be your neighbors, someone? When we pass out door hangers after church today, after we eat pizza, we're gonna go out and pass out 3,500 door hangers today. Could you be that person, someone? You might never even know it, but that door hanger that you put on that door could change their life. It could. And I don't think, well, that's silly. No, it's not. Because I know people in this room today that got a mailer or a card or something like that and their lives were forever changed because of that one little simple act that we did. It could forever change somebody's life. There's a, there's a study that Barna did and I've used this stat before, but I wanna tell you kind of the whole story of this. But it says, what initially brought you to church? This was done a few years ago. Six to 8% walked in by their own initiative. Good for you. Two to 3% liked a program that was offered, youth ministry or something like that. Eight to 10% liked the pastor, probably more like three around here, uh, had a need met. I hope you guys like it, okay. Three to 4% had a need met by the church. One to 2% were evangelized. One to 2% were evangelized. Don't like that necessarily. Three to 4% attracted by Sunday school. 70 to 85% were invited by a relative or a friend. 70 to 85%. Invited by a relative to a friend, that's how they initially got into church. What does that tell me? The average is about 83% came to church for the first time because of an invitation from a friend or a relative. The Billy Graham Association 
they put out a statistic that says the average Christian can identify seven unchurched people that they have a personal relationship with, okay? Some of y'all are like, I got more like 50, okay? These people be crazy, all right? You know what I'm talking about? And some of y'all been in church your whole life and maybe you're like, man, I only have a couple. I think you need to think about that. Jesus surrounded himself with people that didn't know who he was, that were sinners. And if we're just in our little Christian bubble forever, how are we supposed to fulfill the great commission when all we're doing is hanging out with each other, right? Seven unchurched people that they have a personal relationship with. And let me tell you the best part about this. When you invite somebody into a relationship with God, when you're a part of inviting somebody to church and you see their life changed forever, when you see somebody that comes in because of an advertisement, and I see it all the time, like, yeah, we watched online for a few weeks because of the live stream, and then we finally came in person. So it's awesome. They feel like they already know me, which is the coolest thing in the world. It's like, hey, Pastor Trevor. And I'm like, I've never met you. And it's the coolest thing that happened this morning. I absolutely love it. It's the coolest thing. And, but these, these are invitations that we give. And when you get to be a part of somebody's eternal destiny being changed forever, there's such an indescribable joy that comes with that. I can't even tell you how amazing it makes me feel when somebody that I invited to church or I invited into a relationship with God or I told my story to them and they end up finding and following Jesus and, and now they're doing that with other people and it's just incredible. It is an amazing joy that we get to feel and we get to be a part of this. God partners with you and with me and I'm just so grateful. I'm like, God, you, you wanna use me? This messed up dude that I still got my own issues, I got my own problems, you wanna use me? The answer is yes. Would you stand up today with me? Jesus is the great inviter. That's really the moral of the story today. He is the one that reaches out when nobody else will. And if we wanna be like Christ, then I think we also need to reach out to the people that nobody else will. We need to do the things that nobody else will do in order to advance the kingdom of God. What does that look like? Maybe for you, it looks like sending a text. Maybe for you, it looks like posting something on your social media. Maybe it's finally reconciling with that family member that you got problems and unforgiveness with. Maybe it looks like inviting somebody to church for Easter Sunday or, or having a coffee or talking to a coworker and sharing your story with them. I don't know what it looks like for you. You know your fish better than I do. But I wanna encourage us today to not just be followers of Jesus, but to be fishermen alongside of him. There's a lot more to the story. I never wanna be a church that we are just all about us, right? I think it's a big problem that people have with the church. It just seems like they're just all about themselves. They don't care about anybody else. That's why we do community events. That's why we're doing the egg hunt for Plum Creek. Like we don't get anything necessarily from that. We're spending a good amount of money on eggs and inflatables and fun things like that. We did a fall festival and we put all kinds of money into that stuff. Why? Because we just want people to know that we care. We care about you. We care about your kids. We care about our community. We care about the people around us. We're not just about us. It's not like an exclusive you know, church club where only we can be a part of it. That's not the church at all. The church is a body of people that are equipped to do the ministry of Jesus, to go out and to tell people about the joy and the hope and the amazing abundant life that we have in him. That's what it should be about, amen? So I'm gonna ask you this week, who's your one? You might've heard me say that before, but it's something that I tell our team often. 
Uh, before church, every Sunday, we have a little rally with our team members. And I say, hey guys, who's your one? Who's the one person that you can reach out to today? Who's the one person that you can love on and have a conversation with and share the love of Jesus with this morning? Who's the one person? It doesn't have to be everybody. And so I just like to invite you in this moment right now to think about who is your one? You know, we get 10 invite cards and we're like, oh, we gotta pass them all out. We gotta get all these door hangers out and everything. And yeah, that's cool and all, but there's one fish that's waiting for you to catch. And Jesus is saying, will you cast your line one more time? And if you will, I believe that God will do something amazing if you put your trust and your faith in him. Who is your one? Think about that person right now as we pray together, amen? Father God, I ask you right now that you would help us identify the one person in our lives that we need to reach out to. The one person that's in our circle, the one fish that you would have us to catch this week, leading up to an Easter service where I believe that your power and your presence is gonna be tangible. I know you're gonna move. God, I'm gonna talk about your son, Jesus, and what he did for us and how he died on the cross for our sins and the hope and the joy that we have. I believe so many people are gonna find peace in their homes, peace in their lives and get free from addiction. Marriages are gonna be healed. Sicknesses are gonna be healed in the name of Jesus. And God, I just know that so many things, great things are gonna happen next week, but, but who is our one this week that we can invite into a relationship with you? Whether it's a son and a daughter that's running away from you, God, we've been praying for that son. I've been praying for that daughter and they're just so far away from you. God, they're, they're, they're living a life that's so far. God, I, I tried to raise them right, but Lord, what is, what's going on? Why are they so far away from you? I thought I did everything I could. I tried, Lord. Maybe I just failed. No, Lord, we're not, we're not thinking like that. We're not gonna think like that. What we're gonna do is we're gonna put them in your hands and we're gonna cast a line one more time. And then we're gonna cast the line again. We're gonna cast the line again. And God, we're gonna trust and have faith that you're gonna do what only you can do. That coworker that shuts it down every time, God, I pray that you would open their hearts and open their eyes to a new way of living. That barista or that person at Target that you see often that's checking you out or, or whatever it is, the person that we see in our lives that we know that Holy Spirit, you're putting them on our hearts right now Father, I pray that you would give us the boldness and help us to understand that we have the authority to reach out to that person. They're in our circle and you've entrusted us with these people. God, would you help us to invite them into a relationship with you? And I pray that as we invite people to church for Easter Sunday, that as we get into the presence of God together, that you would change hearts and lives, that you would transform us from the inside out and that these people, without us even having to say anything, without us even having to do anything, that Holy Spirit, that you would do it, that you would speak to their hearts, that you would speak to their minds. And that God, even by the end of worship, by the, the time that the band hits the first note, that people would already be crying because they feel something that they've never felt before. And it's just the presence of God. It's the most attractive thing in the universe. And Lord, I pray already that you would prepare hearts and prepare minds for what's to happen next week. And God, would you use us, partner with us to change the city, to change Buda, to change St. Marcus, to change Hayes County, and to change the world with the power of the gospel. Use us, God. And we thank you, Lord, that you're gonna do it. In Jesus' name.
and all God's people said, amen, amen. Would you give God glory and praise today in the house? Amen. Hey, I just wanna say thank you for being here today. I, this is a message that I knew that the Lord had given me because I, I just know everybody has one, right? And so what I want us to do right now, we're gonna take uh, some time and this is the great Easter invite. It's, service is now over. The great Easter invite is now starting. Um, and I wanna tell you quickly, I just wanna encourage you to stick around if you can, but what we're gonna do is we have 3,500 door hangers and another thousand invite cards. And we're gonna split into teams. So we're gonna drive out to different neighborhoods and different places. And we're gonna get our steps in today. Get your Fitbit on, okay? Get your Apple Watch, we're ready to go, okay? So if you're able to, I encourage you to stick around. We're gonna tear down all this stuff, put in the trailer together. And then we're gonna put the cafeteria tables out, eat some pizza. It should be here in just a little bit. We're gonna eat some pizza together. I'm gonna give you some instructions. And then we're gonna go spread the love of Jesus to our community, amen? And I want you to be a part of this. And the reason why I didn't just buy a bunch of mailers this time is because I wanted you to be able to be a part of the invitation. Be a part of the invitation that Jesus is giving to his people, to his children. So if you can stick around, we'd love to have you. But if not, man, thank you so much for coming. I appreciate you. We love you so much. Let me pray a prayer of blessing over you as we leave. Father, thank you for each and every family represented here today. Would you give them favor? Would you give them provision? Would you help them in every area of their lives as they give their life to you and as they honor you and they're faithful to you, would you be faithful back to them? We love you in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, God bless you as you leave. God bless. We love you.